You get it. You get it, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Straight Red. I am your host, Jeff Ross. And as you know, the hashtag War on Alex continues unabated, so he is not present. If you want to take part in hashtag War on Alex, feel free to reach out to Alex at Alex S. Kipler on Twitter and either send him the hashtag War on Alex or write out the words hashtag War on Alex. He needs to know that he is not welcome back in the United States. Rumor has it he'll be back next week, for those of you who enjoy the stylings of one Alex Kipler. But I am here, ladies and gentlemen, to continue the Straight Red adventure. Last week I made a bunch of picks, and I'm pretty sure not a single one of them was right. Not any of them. My Montreal prediction went Horribly, horribly wrong. What was it? Four? They scored four to one against RSL? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I feel like there's a lesson to be learned here. I'm not sure what it is. Also, Orlando destroying Los Angeles down in the Citrus Bowl. Hat tip to Orlando. An Orlando fan sent us two Orlando City Scarves that arrived in time for that game when Orlando scored four against L.A. I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, a hat tip to Orlando. They were able to get it done at home. Their first home win in front of 40,000 fans. For, more than 40. Well, slightly more than 40. But still, very impressive show of force there. And very impressive from Orlando. They look good. They look good and... L.A. looked real, real bad. Recently, there have been reports that Robbie Keane will be coming back to health and back on the pitch for them. And that couldn't come a moment too soon. The team looks ridiculous without them. Also, congratulations to Philadelphia on winning a game. They were able to get that done. You know, good for them. We're all very, very proud. New York City didn't win. But they didn't lose, and they had a last-minute draw against Chicago, 2-2, at Yankee Stadium. And first-team ginger Kyrie Shelton was the one who got that stoppage-time goal. So congratulations to Kyrie. And this is a reminder to any players out there. Come on Straight Red, do an interview, and find yourself becoming a hero for your club. Right now, our first team is made of only Kyrie Shelton and Dax McCarty. We need a few more guys. Nine. We need nine more guys to get a starting 11. We're getting there. Hopefully by the end of the season, we'll have a team. But let's just look back at that Orlando-LA game briefly. And briefly, I mean 40,000 plus in Orlando. For those of you who know, well, of course you know, you're a ginger, you listen to this show. I have this long-standing opinion that the forthcoming stadium in Orlando is too small. It's far too small, and 19,500, I believe, is what it's supposed to be. They need to expand already if they're getting 40,000-plus for a regular season game. Then again, perhaps they're going to do the San Jose model, where you do these bigger 
games in a bigger venue. San Jose will often play L.A. at Stanford Stadium, which seats around 50,000. And sometimes they play teams at the new Levi Stadium, which I believe is around 70,000 seats. So perhaps that's Orlando's plan with the Citrus Bowl, that they'll do these big ticket games there. But in other stadium news that is related to Los Angeles, LAFC has announced their stadium. $250 million, 22,000 seats, not quite downtown. It's in South LA, right next to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, home of the USC Trojans in two different Summer Olympic Games. On the site that will soon be the former site of the LA Sports Arena, 22,000 seats. A little bit smaller than the Stuff Up Center, which seats about 27. But 22 seems like the right size for an MLS team. I When it was announced, I was on Twitter. And for those of you who follow me on Twitter, I'm on Twitter all the time. I made some remark about how the renderings looked a lot like the previous design for Farmer's Field. For those who don't know, Farmer's Field was a proposed NFL stadium for Los Angeles. It was going to be where the LA Convention Center is. Not the entirety of it. It was just one wing of the Convention Center, uh, which is right by the Staples Center. It's downtown. That particular plan was put forth by AEG, the same company that owns the LA Galaxy. That plan fell apart uh, about a year or so ago, and it looks like any future NFL stadium is going to be uh, probably in Inglewood. At least that's what it's looking like. The reason I note these two things, it turned out that the reason it looks similar, same architectural firm. Gensler did both. But I find it interesting that a competing MLS team has a stadium design that seems to be based on a stadium from a different owner of an MLS team. That's real weird, right? AEG owns the LA Galaxy. They did Farmer's Field. Farmer's Field fell apart. And now they have a new stadium at LAFC that looks really, really similar. I don't know what the rules are here. I don't know if there's any shenanigans here. Probably not, frankly, with the amount of money that's being thrown around. But it's just interesting to me. But let's talk about LAFC. So, new stadium going to be built on the future site of the Los Angeles Sports Arena. I'm sure there will be some kind of pushback about that. $250 million would make it the most expensive MLS stadium. Um, Red Bull Arena was 200 so this one would be pricier. Although I imagine whatever... NYCFC lands on will probably be more expensive, especially if the most recent rumors of being built in Manhattan hold to be true. You're looking at 300 plus for that. Anyway, 250, 22,000 folks pushes the start date back a full year. LAFC was supposed to start in 2017, which to me sounds like a future that'll be full of robots, but now that start date has been pushed to 2018. My question to you, Gingers, is does this matter at all? Now, a 2018 start date is only three years away. That's not that bad. But that would mean this market was without a second 
L.A. team for four seasons. Does that have an effect on the fans that Chivas USA did have? I know we all made fun of Chivas USA for not having fans, but there were fans of that team. And they have been hanging around, swearing their allegiance to whatever this new team may be. Now this new team doesn't get started until 2018. Does any of this matter? Now, one of our longtime gingers mocked me some time ago <laughs> about my uh, incorrect knowledge of Los Angeles geography. And he pointed out that that location, the sports arena location, is a great one for getting to from you know, elsewhere in Los Angeles versus Carson, which is a suburb of L.A., does this team have a shot of getting the urban population in L.A.? And I'm talking about the people who live in the city proper. Or are those folks already married to the L.A. Galaxy who, let's face it, that's a winning franchise. That is a five MLS Cup winning franchise. And by 2018, they may easily have another one. Our best frame of reference right now is the New York Red Bulls, New York City FC combination. We're in the first season. We're still figuring out if this really is anything or not. It's a bit up in the air right now. However, the difference here, the Red Bulls hadn't won much. They just got the Supporters' Shield before NYCFC came into being. So how strong were the loyalties there? Based on going to both stadiums this season, I will say New York Red Bulls still have hardcore fans, and they will still have fans because they play a good brand of football. New York City FC has a bunch of new people there. Yes, there are, of course, people who have followed MLS for some time, but they seem to have attracted new fans. LAFC, by moving to a different location... They're not sharing anymore at the StubHub Center. They're going to a different place. Is that enough to attract new fans? Not just converts, not just former Chivas USA fans, but new fans. I'm going with yes. I love everything about this deal. The only thing that sort of got to me was that it was reduced. I'm sorry, not reduced, delayed 2018 but i understand if that's the deal with the stadium then that's what you have to do i found it interesting that they were unwilling to do a temporary stadium in the meantime i don't mean construct a temporary one i mean they weren't willing to play somewhere else perhaps this is because chivas usa was a renter as far as a team is concerned, and they just didn't want to get associated with it. But it was interesting. Now, 2018 puts them after the Atlanta launch in 2017, and it puts them around the time of a theoretical Miami team, if we ever see anything like that actually happen. Now, this wasn't the only potential thing going on with expansion. Don Garber went out to St. Louis to look at a potential expansion there. St. Louis is a hotbed of American soccer talent, but it's had a lot of false starts with any hope for an MLS bid. Right now, that city is trying to hold on to the St. Louis Rams of NFL fame. Uh, the St. Louis Rams, who may be moving to Inglewood in Los Angeles. But they're proposing a new Riverfront NFL stadium, and they released some renderings of what that would theoretically look like with 
an MLS team in there. So it has those similar curtains, I guess is what you would call them, that block off the upper deck, similar to what they do at BC Place for the Vancouver Whitecaps. I don't, I, you know, I don't like those. I don't like them. I know that they say all the time, like, oh, that's a great model. They do it up, up in Vancouver. It looks great. I don't think it does. I, I don't think it looks great at all. I think it looks cheap and weird. It's very, very strange. In many ways, the tarps that you see them use at CenturyLink Field and at Gillette Stadium are less obtrusive. I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of this curtain thing. So we're looking at this rendering of a theoretical St. Louis MLS stadium, sort of, and it has these giant, you know, St. Louis curtain-like banners. And I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not that impressed with the look. But I, I do believe St. Louis, the city, deserves having an MLS team. As usual, it just comes down to do you have the ownership for it? This feels a lot like. A group of owners trying to justify the $985 million expense for a 64,000-seat NFL stadium when someone's pointing out there's only going to be eight games a year. They need to do something. They need more dates in that facility. And we saw this up in Minnesota when they, the Vikings were trying to get that bid. It feels like they kind of tack on MLS as a thing. Like it hasn't really been thought about all that much. So I'm not a huge fan of this, but I am a huge fan of St. Louis having a team, so I'm torn. If this is the best that St. Louis can get, then great, you know, let's go for it. But if there's any possibility of someone in St. Louis putting together like a, a 20 to 25,000 seat stadium, that would be ideal. And, and they would fill that every week. This 64,000-seat stadium with no roof and some curtain walls, just, uh, I don't know. And considering it's just a couple million shy of a billion, you would think it would look nicer than it does. And speaking of Minnesota, there's been some news on their stadium. I know this is a stadium-heavy podcast, but there is a decision that needs to be made in the legislature up there. They're looking for some tax benefits as... I mean, aren't we all deep down? Uh, but they adjourned. The, it wasn't voted on. Now, I don't believe this means the Minnesota Stadium is not going to happen. Uh, I, I believe it will happen. But it is always pause for concern. But also a reminder to both casual and long-term fans that, that getting any sort of facility constructed anywhere in the United States isn't just a matter of writing a check out. Like, these things are complicated. Things are complicated by the fact that any facility that seats that many people has these other ancillary effects on a city. You have to consider traffic. You have to consider safety. You have to consider... Uh, uh, I already did traffic. Any sort of um, uh, transport, transportation change, like, uh, like rapid transit or anything like that. All of that has to get considered, and all of that has to be addressed in some sh way, shape, or form. If we look at the New York Red Bulls out there in Harrison, New Jersey, where Red Bull Arena is located, one of the complaints that I've made many a time, and others have as well, is the PATH station, the Port Authority Trans-Hudson station that's there in Harrison, is woefully insufficient for the amount of people who are getting off and on those trains during games. And the way that pedestrians are shuffled from there to the stadium 
It's in, inefficient, the whole thing. The cost to fix that costs almost as much as the stadium itself. This stuff isn't cheap. And that stuff can only be done by a government. That's not, that's not a private investment. It's hard to convince a government of that, of doing some kind of improvement that's really only going to benefit people who are going to this game. It, it, it doesn't have that much effect on anybody else. When we were looking at LAFC Stadium, it's in an area where they expect rapid transit to be expanded. Who knows if that'll actually happen, but that's that's the plan. The Minnesota Stadium, I wouldn't be surprised if it is somewhere on that light rail lines that are up there, hopefully close by. One of the issues with the theoretical Miami Stadium is it seems to be a little bit too far from public transportation. The Orlando Stadium is near a bus line, but that's all they have down there in Orlando, so that's fine. The theoretical NYCFC stadium would be off of the train. Well, you, you get what I'm saying. There's all of these things that come into play here that make these things complicated, even when a stadium is privately funded like Minnesota Stadium will be. There are these other issues, and they need to be decided, and those things take time and effort and a whole lot of headaches, and I wish them all the best of luck. Josie Altador is hurt again, hamstring again, four to five weeks, which means he may not make the Gold Cup. That's a tough one, folks, because we as a team, as a U.S. men's national team, still don't have another striker like Josie. We don't have a direct one-for-one replacement. And the way Josie plays, uh, his physicality in his style of play is very well suited against CONCACAF opponents. We don't we don't have any other targets like that that are just that that huge and that athletic and they can shove these other guys around. We we don't have that. So I'm I'm worried. I'll put it that way. I'm going to be very very polite and just say I'm worried about what that may mean for our Gold Cup team. I mean I hope he makes it back for the Gold Cup. We need to win that. We need to win it because I want to avoid a theoretical playoff situation that could happen between us and the winner of this Gold Cup in order to get to the Confederations Cup. We just need to win it and, and be done with the whole thing. And speaking of other international competitions, the Women's World Cup is coming up very soon. Long ago, I was planning to go, but ultimately life got in the way and I, I just can't go. But... I think it will be a very, very exciting tournament. This team looks good, but I don't know. They don't quite look world-beating. They're doing well with these pre-tournament friendlies, but they're beating teams like Mexico, and Mexico's not a powerhouse in women's soccer. They just aren't. The teams we need to beat are teams like Sweden, teams like England, teams like France, teams like Japan. Those are the teams we need to beat. Beating... Ireland and beating Mexico, they're not good enough anyway. They, they didn't have a chance. I mean, these are teams that are happy that they got a goal against us when we're beating them 5-1. to one. They're not champions. They have no, they have no hope of being a champion. We, 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 I don't know. I'm worried, and I've been worried for some time, that this Women's World Cup team, probably one of the most talented Women's World Cup teams we've ever had still may not be good enough, which would be sad. 
I'm going to repeat my threat I had from quite some time ago. If they do not win the Women's World Cup, they can stay in Canada. Never to return. Now, you may still be getting over your heartache from the CONCACAF Champions League that uh, Montreal took all the way to the final, and, and good on them to make it that far, but ultimately uh, lost. Well, well, well. The draw for the 2015-16 CONCACAF Champions League will be held on June 1st, which is not that far away. Um, this is going to happen in Miami. So... In this tournament, we've got five MLS teams. LA Galaxy are in. Hopefully they'll take it seriously. Seattle Sounders are in. We'll definitely take it seriously. DC United is in. Real Salt Lake is back. Vancouver Whitecaps are your Canadian representative this time around. So I'm hoping for a good tournament. Of these teams, looking at the roster they have now... I've got to go with Seattle making the longest run here. I mean, Vancouver looks good in MLS play. I just don't know if they have enough depth on the team to make it through. But these rosters change over that 2015 to 16 period of time. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I'm going to be surprised, so I really shouldn't say I wouldn't be surprised. Whatever happens in the Champions League is always a shocking event, but I hope for the best. MLS teams are getting better in this. We're getting deeper in the tournament more frequently. I would not be surprised if we have another team that makes it to the final this time again. We had an interesting ginger mail that actually came through the Facebook page, which you should all be liking, I guess is the correct term. This is from Raymond Orozco, who has reached out to us before. And he was talking about the new... Chivas TV contract, the Univision worth more than $80 million over a period of five years. His point, and it's long-winded, and we don't have the time to get through all of it, is that Mexican League teams, the big teams, the big names, Chivas, Club America, te teams like that, are getting these huge TV contracts for broadcast in the United States. And he is wondering, although he doesn't explicitly ask, but he kind of dances around it, wondering when we're going to see something like that with Major League Soccer, the U.S. men's national team, where you see these crazy, crazy numbers. In my opinion, we're looking at something that's 10 years away for these kind of numbers. These huge numbers that add up to billions of dollars over... We're not there yet. We're just not there yet. Chivas is huge. Club America is huge huge. These are big, big clubs. It is hard for me to imagine ESPN uh, dulling out, you know, $400, 500000000 million to show the Colorado Rapids play. Like I, Right now, I, I don't see that. I, I could see all of those things happening. I see all of those things happening well within our lifetime, ladies and gentlemen. But it, it's, just, it's just too early. So I guess what I'm saying, Raymond, is uh, I'm on board with you. I'm on board with you. The Mexican League is a by far a, a much larger financial powerhouse than MLS is. And it will be for a while. Of course, it's structured differently than this league, as, as we've gone over a million times. So how those dollars are distributed is interesting and, and quite a bit different. That being said, it's still more money. Still way more money. 
And in order for MLS to become this league of choice as they want to be, they're going to have to find a way to get those dollars. They're doing it. Like They're getting more international broadcasters than I've ever seen them have. They announced a deal with a Chinese sports channel recently, which was super fascinating. Clearly, the move to IMG for their international management was correct. But it's going to be a while, Raymond. It's going to be a while. But I appreciate it. I appreciate you chiming in. I saw on Twitter one of our longtime gingers said he was going to email us, and he may have. But ladies and gentlemen, I don't have access to our email address because Alex Kibler is the only one who has that password. Hashtag war on Alex. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand. The battle against Alex will never end. But he is threatening to return to the United States next week. With your help, we can prevent this from happening. If you, this is going to count as quiet time with Jeff. If you go on Twitter and say, Alex, you're not welcome here. And do the hashtag war on Alex, the U.S. State Department will arrest him on site. And I am begging you people to do this. Now, this wouldn't be a straight red podcast if we didn't talk about the upcoming games on Wednesday. Well, you know what? We won't do that because you've already seen this game by the time you listen to it. And this game has already started from my perspective. So we're going straight to Friday, baby. 8 o'clock, Columbus versus Chicago on Univision Deportes Network, MLS Live, and Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, Ohio, Mothray Stadium, hashtag new crew. I gotta stick with it, and you knew I was going to. Hashtag new crew to Chicago 1. Nailed it. 10 o'clock. LA Galaxy versus the Houston Dynamo. Univision Deportes. Ooh, doubleheader. Not bad. And I'm, and I'm sorry, 10.30, not 10. At the StubHub Center, LA 2, Houston 1. Same score. Too bad. Ooh, this one's good. Saturday, Saturday, 5 p.m., on TSN, MLS Live, and Root Sports Northwest. Toronto FC versus Portland in BMO Field. Expect 30,000 there. No Josie Altidore on this team. 1-1 draw. 7.30. New England. DC United, MLS Live, CSN, New England. Terrible channel. CSN, Washington. Gillette Stadium. Two of the best teams in the East. Hmm. New England 1, D.C. United nil. 8 o'clock, Montreal, FC, Dallas, MLS Live, TVA Sports. What is that? Is that something in Montreal? Someone find out. In TXA-21, no clue. Stan Saputo, lovely. Last time around, I predicted Montreal would be murdered. They scored four goals. Played FC Dallas, best team in the league in terms of points. 1-1. It's, it's going to be very confusing to everybody. 1-1 draw. 9 o'clock. Colorado. Vancouver. TSN2. MLS Live. Altitude Network. Dick Sporting Goods Park. Vancouver wins this. Vancouver 1. Colorado nil. RSL. New York City FC. 10 p.m. MLS Live. KMYU. Yes Network. Yankees Entertainment Sports Network. Rio Tinto Stadium. This is a Jason Kreis homecoming. It's the first time he's ever 
played against RSO at Rio Tinto. How bizarre. All right, I'll take a bold one. And this is for the sake of the dearly departed Alex Kepler. RSL 1, New York City FC 2. If that happens, he owes me a drink. Seattle versus Sporting Kansas City. 10 p.m. Century Link Field, MLS Live, KMCI 38, Joe TV. Seattle, baby. God, have Seattle. And, and Deuce is after some bizarre record of consecutive games with a goal or an assist. If he does one more, he, I guess, ties for first. Good for him. Sunday, Red Bulls, Philly, Fox Sports 1. The best of the Fox Sports is Fox Deportes, MLS Live, 5 p.m., Red Bull Arena, New York Red Bulls, 3, Philadelphia, 1. And I'm hoping Dax McCarty scores a goal because he's a first-team ginger. 7 o'clock, San Jose, Orlando, also Fox Sports, 1. No ESPN game this Sunday. This is at Levi's Stadium. This is what I was talking about earlier, and I'm glad it's San Jose and Orlando. This is the type of thing I think we'll see Orlando do once they have their own stadium. We'll do these occasional games at Citrus, uh, the Citrus Bowl. Anyway, San Jose, the Orlando, Levi's Stadium, MLS Live as well if you're in, I guess, Canada. 7 p.m., taking San Jose to Orlando nil. Sorry. And then, ooh, multiple games on Wednesday. Wednesday, 10 p.m., Seattle, Colorado, CenturyLink Field. Seattle 1, Colorado 1. Going to take a draw. It's going to be weird. 10.30, LA Galaxy, Real Salt Lake in the StubHub Center. LA Galaxy 2. Real Salt Lake 1. 10.30 p.m. Portland, D.C. United. Hmm. Portland 1, D.C. 2. Beautiful. We did a lot of great work there. I'm sure our Peabody Award is on its way. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for Straight Red today. We'll be back next week. Alex Kibler allegedly will return unless you get hashtag war on Alex trending. Then the State Department will put an end to this. As usual, you can follow this podcast at Straight Red Pod. Yours truly at Jeff is Famous. If you must, you can follow Alex Kibler at Alex S. Kibler. You can email us at straightred at iCloud.com, although I won't be able to read your email. And we already did quiet time with Jeff. It already happened, so we don't have to do it again. Until next time, gingers, go forth and soccer.